0: Hi, I'm Maya. I'm an executive coach and researcher. Welcome to The Golden Hour, the podcast focused on elevating your career whilst also nourishing your well-being and relationships. From career transition, job crafting, and getting promoted, to physical, mental, and digital well-being, I've coached hundreds of leaders and researched these topics. There's no one-size-fits-all here which is often why there seems to be such a big gap between what we know and what we do. But by using evidence-based approaches to help you think deeply about your priorities and habits, we can close that gap on the things that matter the most. Hello and welcome to The Golden Hour. This is an extra episode that I had to fit in because I wanted to touch on the topic of outdoor intelligence and going outside. As I've mentioned in previous episodes, I do love my walks, but I reckon that my walks could do with a little bit of an upgrade. And so I had to bring on Fiona, who is many things. She is a coach, she is an entrepreneur, and she is an adventurer. Now I first met Fiona a year ago, and we were both talking about our plans and thinking about where we were taking our businesses. And a year on, it has been phenomenal to see where Fiona has taken her ideas and bringing adventuring together with coaching. And the concept is called outdoor intelligence. And I had to bring Fiona on today to pick her brains about this concept because it is so relevant to the concept of a golden hour. Spending time in nature is probably fitting with that self component that I talk about. I talk about work, self and relationships, but arguably it fits into other components as well. And I think Fiona has some stuff to say there about how outdoor intelligence can impact our work and impact our relationships too. So without further ado, let me say a big hello to Fiona. Hi, Fiona. Great to have you here.
1: Hi there, Maya. Hi. Hi. Great to be here. Thank you.
0: Yeah, so it would be wonderful if you could tell the listeners in your own words a little bit about the concept of outdoor intelligence and what brought you to it.
1: Right. Okay. So outdoor intelligence is essentially having an experience of knowing more when we're outside. So during the day, you and I sit at our desks and these facts and stuff hits our brain and in our brain, everything happens. When we step over the doorstep outside into the outdoors, into nature, something really different happens because our bodies and our brains engage much more together. So actually, our brain just works much better. It's better referenced. And we're embodying that experience of new thinking, if you like. Mm -hmm. And then more than that, we also have these moments outside of connecting with nature. And there's an awe in that. Mm -hmm. And there's also a connection with life beyond the human world. And if you like a collective intelligence, so this is all stuff that our ancestors knew. It's how they sought wisdom. They walked out onto the land and we don't do it that way anymore. But I think there's lots of really good stuff we can get from doing that. And I came into this work myself because nearly four years ago, I had an extreme experience in nature, which... Uh, enabled me just to know a lot more about myself and the work that I had to do in the world. And that was in a process called a Vision Fast, which is a four-day process alone in the wild. What's that called? A Vision Fast? Oh. A Vision Fast. Some people call it a Vision Quest. Oh, yeah. wow. Where, where was that? So I did it on a fell in the Lake District at the end of September.
0: Was that your sort of what, a pivotal moment for you in in interacting with this subject?
1: Yes, in the previous few years, I'd started walking quite a bit. I got a dog and then I just walked further and further, started doing walking holidays. I did a a swim trekking holiday as well. So I was kind of pushing my body a bit. And there was sort of more of an adventure psychology paradigm to it then. And then it moved into this slightly different thing where I realized that I came to experienced the world differently myself differently and my insight my intuition much differently when I had kind of let go the trappings of daily life if you like and really went out there.
0: Wow okay that's it's great to hear where some of the birth of this concept came from but it obviously like with all of these things there's no one single moment is there there's a sort of a build-up and that's what it sounds like happened here and you know when I talk about the golden hour. It can be any time of day, really, but often it is the early hours or the later hours. I mean, the actual concept of golden hour is those long shadows, that light that you get, um, you know, from an artist perspective or photographer perspective. It's that perfect lighting, I think, for um, for the visual uh, arts and things. But the idea of a golden hour is that not all hours are created equally and that in some ways we need to be quite intentional about lifting ourselves out of the kind of automatic and you know the the natural the normal ways of being. And that's where I think what you're talking about fits so closely because especially in the last 12 months where so many people have been restricted and have their work has been confined to online even more important to have that uh, change and contrast and that rich information almost that you described i love that concept of the the collective intelligence and so I, I love the idea of how that links in you know to the golden hour so do you think i mean do you think walking outside is a golden hour can be a golden hour
1: Absolutely. And for me, that's at the core of my practice in in the way that I work. And I source new work. I am creative in my work. So this morning, I got up, I've got five lists as long as my arm. My priority is to go out for an hour before I come to sit at my desk. And when I'm out, I did a social media post about a commute recently, like a doodle of a commute It's like, well, you know, we're not commuting to work, but let's commute from our front door and back to our front door and then start working. Let's boundary it. And so I think for me, that is so, so true that my time outside first thing in the morning is I have like a double golden hour. Right. It's like a double yoked egg. I have my walking where ideas surface. I'm quite creative when I'm walking. Lots of stuff comes to me and I get a bit zen and I feel very connected with my work and what I'm here to do. And then I come back to my desk and I then am um, often writing, creating, I offer programs, I'm, offering, I'm putting together content, I'm putting together material that I want to share with the world. And so being really intentional about that is so helpful. And if you like the physicality of my first golden hour, if you like the one that I spent out means that, you know, I come into my work in a very fresh and alive and energized and awake space, if you like.
0: Uh, yeah, that's brilliant. I mean, not to want to spell it out, but I've got to spell this out. So actually, what you're saying is that that walk does two things in itself It is, you know, some when you're out there, you are often having more creative thoughts and you're in, it, you are embodied. So f- for those reasons, it constitutes a golden hour, but then it also prepares you in the best possible way for when you do then sit down at your desk, and you're perhaps able to have that hour at your desk or more be so much more powerful and be in in that sense a golden hour because you have done that wonderful embodied outdoor time so I love that double double yoked egg golden hour brilliant um, and I am a huge fan of that process and I, I'm pretty sure it's because I saw that doodle of yours um, on that you had shared on LinkedIn about the commute I think you know, in creating that starting point, and often mine will involve going to pick up a coffee, and that pop form forms part of that ritual. Then you sit up down at the desk, and then you tackle something. You know, the, the trickiest. In my case, I try and tra- you know tackle those most tricky tasks, and then you you know you feel really great afterwards. And I have mentioned this to you before, but I want to just put it out there that I'm a huge fan of walking, and I'm very religious about doing that whatever happens I will find a way and that includes during lockdown I would just pace up and down the garden because the kids were at home I couldn't guarantee when otherwise I would get out they're more than happy to either sit in the lounge and see me or they'll trickle out as well but at least that way I would get some of the benefits of being outside without saying oh well it's you know it's an impossibility at the moment so I would I would do anything but I will often have headphones on. I'll be listening to podcast after podcast. I'll be listening to audiobooks. I'll be sending a few voice messages to my friends. You know, it's, it's it's quite a hectic time using my device, I guess. And I know when I've said this to you before, I've seen the expression of your on your face of Maya, come on, like. This is, this is not, this is not outdoor intelligence. So what I'm looking for here is a few simple steps for me to take a portion of that time, because that time is important to me and the way I use it and, you know, picking up new, new ideas from listening, but what would you recommend someone like me? Who's quite wedded to their routine? What would you recommend to get that bit more out of outdoor time and that outdoor and access that in outdoor intelligence?
1: okay i mean let's not mess around here it's been <laughs> locked down you've got kids at home you've got outside you know fantastic all really good and clearly what you're describing from your practice is that you you you're waking up your body you're waking up your mind and you're processing some content and all of that will be better for you getting outside so i think you know let's let's great stuff To move a bit beyond that, if you want to, you might not want to move beyond that. You might be fine with that. All good stuff. Let's not knock it. If you want to move a bit beyond that to start to really have a different sense of awareness and insight, you might want to experiment just with having a little bit of your walk time where you choose to walk not thinking not deliberately thinking, there's a real myth here that intelligence means we've got to be out there thinking even harder than we would at our desks, but to be to take the podcast out of your ears, to put your phone on airplane mode and just walk noticing what's around you. And it's my experience talking with many, many people about this that what happens then is that... Our mind's quite busy, but when we notice what's around us, the busyness drops away. And what comes is the things that want to be paid attention to in your life, in your work and ideas about what how to respond to those, if you like. And there's probably a kind of place a bit further out from there, which is also some people would call it a more spiritual place a place where you can have a greater sense of purpose and the way that you want to engage with the world, like a real proper gold nugget. I'm going to call it thinking space, but it's slightly more nuanced than thinking. It's almost like a being place. It's like, what's for me to do here in this time that I have, right? So that's all there as a possibility for you. It might not appeal to you.
0: You know? Yeah, and definitely I'm bringing it here because I am ready, you know, and perhaps in, in deep lockdown I wasn't and those circumstances were specific, but, you know, I am ready. And the thing is, spring is that time of year where you can't, you can't not notice the surroundings that you're in because there's just too much going on. The birds are loud and, you know, there's so many different colours and the the sky is bright. So, you know, it's almost... I I always like to be seasonal about things. And if there was any season, I think, to go out and start noticing, it's probably as easy as it possibly could be right now you know so I think what I'm quite committed to doing and I do do this and I'm I'm sort of joking a little bit when I was describing that sort of caricature of myself but definitely I do find myself turning off the podcast because you kind of think oh, what was all this in my ear I just want to hear the real noises uh, so I do do that and I think I'm just going to be quite conscious about that and I really like this question that you have which is just you know what am I noticing and then what was the other thing you said what am I here to do
1: I, re- I think that's a great question from a sort of... Yeah, what is what is my... So what is my work that I'm here to do in the world? So amongst Indigenous people, what happened was the young people of the village would be sent out in quest to hear the wisdom of the land about what was theirs to do. Right? Okay. And then they'd come back. So the whole point isn't to go out and see beautiful bluebells and fluffy squirrels, whatever it is. That's not the point. The point is to have a connected experience when we're out so that when we come back, we come back knowing ourselves and the world around us, not the squirrel or the bluebell, but knowing, okay, my clarity for today is this. Mm. And it's something about presence and it's something about what we know in our head, but that's all mixed up together. We come back presencing ourselves in our work differently. Yeah. Yes, my experience and the experience, it, it, the experience I've had working with groups of coaches in these programs that I run is that they come back changed. They come back saying, wow, I had no idea about these things, but my dear Maya, it requires a little bit of quiet to hear, right? Mm-hmm. It requires, and, and and there is some really good research around um, sending people out with a phone, without a phone, and how that impacts our brain. Mm. One phone call in a 40 minute walk radically impacts our brain and our ability to recall what we read before we went out. It, it It's a real game changer. It's a real game changer in the kind of attention that we can have in the moment.
0: Ah, Well, there you raise almost a very practical consideration because you know that I am interested in matters related to digital well-being and distraction and things like that. I do, um, so I'm really aware of those, but, but there's also a safety thing. So you can tell me whether this is, you know, valid or not, or is it an excuse, but as a female going out, you know, then into the woods mm-hmm. and all of that, I take some comfort in having a phone with me. I would love to say I don't need it. I'm a, you know, sort of superhuman, but I almost feel like I could sort of end up finding myself exposed, I guess. Do you have any thoughts about that? Has that come
1: up before or? It's a real concern, safety. And we all have to make our own judgments about Mm -hmm. that because it depends on our own relationship with being outside, but also where we're walking Mm -hmm. and who else we tend to come across there. And also our instincts, how sharp our instincts are about what we meet when we're out. I'm not suggesting that anyone go out without a phone at all but I suggest the phone is on airplane mode Mm. so we can make an emergency call if we want to but there's not that kind of ping 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 or even seeing the little cues on screen that oh yeah WhatsApp another seven messages
0: yeah yeah
1: it's a subtle difference
0: it's a subtle difference but to be honest you've answered you've answered it there and sometimes and hopefully this is helpful for the listeners as well that you think you've got an excuse because you know you haven't just said it out loud and someone hasn't troubleshooted it for you it's sometimes a small change and it can just completely change the way we then interact when we go out. So that's really helpful, thank you. And you've described some of the impacts that your coaches have, that your coaches experience as a result of going through your programs. I'm curious, have you applied this when you work with leaders? A lot of the people listening to this are people like my clients who are in busy organizational roles, and you know they will then be faced with a day of back to back zooms and you know to the extent that we can minimize those we do. We've previously had a session on how to run great meetings um but i'm just I'm interested for for their benefit. What are some of the things that they've experienced as a result of embracing the outdoor intelligence more
1: sightedness being able to see things more clearly so that that would be the clear thing you know this is quality thinking time this is quality you know getting back getting close to yourself and knowing your priorities and that for me that really speaks to the golden hour piece as well it's like what's on top here what is not the most kind of drama-y, urgent thing that needs said What is the single most important thing I have to do today? Mm. This is like a macro for this. This is a, a practice that can take us into that on a daily or weekly basis. Yep. What is my absolute point of most impact this week?
0: Yeah. And that fits so much with what my clients say that they need more of, because they're saying, I don't have time for the strategic thinking. I don't always have time for the more visionary thinking and clarity. And so what a great thing to be able to dip into. Do you, have you noticed times of day? Have you experimented yourself with, you know, we talked about the morning routine, but have you experimented with outdoor intelligence at other times of day and and how has that been for you
1: look I'm a morning person so morning's going to work for me we're all different and we also when we're time poor we grab our moments when we can so if I have any choice that I can uh, walk rather than get in the car or to do something walking I will always take that choice because I'm privileged enough to be able to do that but we just fit it in when we can I think you know you have to be pragmatic with it I was working with a group of partners from a large consultancy at Canary Wharf and one of them told me that he left home, he he did something like 12 billable hours every day and he used to leave home. He had young kids. He'd leave home early and he would act as if he was going to the tube station. But actually what he did was he walked to the tube station three stops down the line. So he got some thinking space on the way to work, because when he got into work, it was relentless and he knew he needed it. So he kind of made his, you know, what's that expression, you know, making a purse out of a sow's ear or something, you know, he he made his golden hour, Mm. not by exactly deceit, but by sleight of hand. And he absolutely treasured it.
0: Yeah. But it almost sounds like he paid himself first and therefore was able to serve better as a result. And I think when you are highly externally accountable in, in certain roles, or if that's just part of your personality, it can be easy not to do that. And yet, by doing so, as you've described, you not only you know benefit from the clarity and vision when you're doing it, but then when you do sit down, you bring so much more to your work. So it has all those benefits. I think sometimes it's just nice to hear them out loud. And As you were describing that example, I do, I sort of hear these two pieces, I hear the walking piece, which I am a huge already, as you can see, I'm very much signed into that. And then I hear this sort of more outdoor intelligence, when I think of when I see your imagery, I think of the leaves, and I think of how they're all working together and the systems of nature and, and that part. And I, I worry about, you know, those of us that are in more kind of urban environments, and we're just not going to see some of you know, that extensive nature, do you, you know, if I said to you, look, for all I've got is time for a 20 minute walk around the block. I'm going to see a lot of pavement. Of course, I'm going to see some trees as well. Do you think I can access outdoor
1: intelligence even in that? Absolutely. There were always natural systems. It's not about the perfect kind of rural image of a budding Mm -hmm. beech tree. You know, look at the sky. We have cloud systems moving through the whole time. One big, beautiful tree in a city, some tree roots coming out of the pavement. You know, this is all nature. The research shows if we can do the deeper nature dive, we can get more insight. We have changed consciousness. We can access the systemic intelligence more easily But all of these things are in a continuum. So we take our moments when we can in the city. We get out when we can. And that moment is connected with the slightly longer walk we're able to take at the weekend or maybe the day walk we take when we're on holiday. So it's all good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love I love the idea of thinking about different horses for courses, right? So different times when you can access and it doesn't mean it's all or nothing. There was another term that you used there, which I think we have both now used a few times. And I'm wondering if we define it, which is systemic intelligence. What do we mean by that?
1: Well, you've described it when you say you think of the images that some of the images that I've posted and, you know, these natural systems that are very obviously working, but actually we're working in organisations, we're working in people systems. That is also a natural system. It might be a bit dysfunctional, but it is also (laughs) a natural system. So when we think about bringing what we know back in and the point of that practice is bringing it back into organisations. It's that we can sense better what's going on. It's that we can be aware of our intense interconnectedness in a large consultancy in Canary Wharf. You know, we're all having an impact on each other. We're all seeding the culture. We're all making a contribution or not. We're all opening things up or closing them down. This is the stuff of natural systems. Mm -hmm. And if we can change our state and our orientation to things in our time outside, we bring that change back into the work we do and into the ways we see things in the work we do. So potentially we're standing out and we can have greater impact in those systems from that practice.
0: That is so powerful. And uh, I don't know about you, but I do use those very basic constellations in my coaching work. And, you know, just sitting at now, it all feels quite two dimensional, but just sitting at a screen and having some objects to move around is really powerful. And it helps people just get out of their current perspective and into another. And you've just made me remember how powerful you know, being out in nature can be for that switch as well. And that feeling that we're part of systems and it's so easy to sort of individualize and, and over personalize, isn't it? And actually using that time to let go of some of that and integrate ourselves or be remind ourselves of how integrated we are is I think that's going to be another thing that I do consciously as part of my airplane mode time. I think that will be really valuable. And it links into some of the previous episodes because I've talked about organizational systems. And a lot of us as coaches, you know, especially if we're working with organizations, we are doing systemic work because otherwise we're working in isolation and just sort of in, that, in a box, but we want to be able to work with part of the system. So I think that's a really great connection and just nice to think that you can physically experience that rather than just going on a mental shift. You can actually go out and physically experience that very powerful thank you
1: exactly so if if you're thinking about your desktop constellation what we're describing here is the possibility that you become you know you know that moment where you know where to put one of those desktop pieces in when you're working a constellation what we're talking about here is as human beings in this world is we become that thing that knows where to move we're part of that moving system and we're just really really tuning into it mm. for ourselves and in yeah. developing that as a skill for ourselves but also as an orientation to the work that experience yeah oh, so exciting
0: <laughs> yeah it it really it really is and you you're making me also think about intuition which I, I don't know how, how you, your relationship with your intuition, but I noticed that sometimes when I get really busy and really focused, I can start to sort of completely forget about my intuition. Um, and I just wanted to think about intuition in the context of outdoor intelligence and, and try and make that connection there. And any thoughts on, on on the connection there and that you've experienced or noticed
1: amongst others? It just is pure gold, deep vein intuition i mean that's what arises from that experience and what i'm i've been in practice for quite a long time now and what i'm starting to experience is that when i start to do something that cuts across my intuition you know those moments where we have a choice mm. and we sort of think oh god i could do that mm. I, I actually can't do it anymore i start to feel physically really really uncomfortable and a bit unwell i just can't i can't do it so there we are
0: do you think that there are any practices that we can start to adopt, like simple things. So if, let's say I've gone and had some time in airplane mode and I come back and it's almost like, you know, when you, people say, oh, write down your dreams. And when you wake up in the morning, do you think that there is a useful practice or have you done ever done anything like that? You know, like just come home and jot down anything that your intuition told you today. So for those of us, perhaps that want to reconnect a little bit more with our intuition through this outdoor intelligence experience.
1: Yeah, three practices. I mean, the first one is if you've got a pressing issue you know is really important to you, make a question out of it and write it on a bit of paper and stick it in your back pocket before you go out for a walk. The second one is, as those, sometimes I get really strong stuff coming to me when I walk, our phone on airplane mode can capture an audio note really quickly. That's a possibility. But also, either when we're out taking a seat and just doing a bit of writing or doing it when we come home, you know, yes, get, get it down. It depends how spacious your life is as to whether you need to write that down. But what I'm guessing is that a lot of your listeners will need to capture the nuggets as they come up when they start going into practice. But you know what, Maya, why should anyone believe either of us saying this? You know, the only way to start to, get into this practice is to have your own experience of it and I have that there are three things that really help people to develop this one is to get real value out of the practice to realize how it's really supporting their work for it to be a delightful experience one that is intrinsically pleasurable in whatever way that happens for you and the third is that it becomes a habit so sub, like our guy who was going to the tube station find a bit of the day or find a way of latching it on to something else you do and just make it a habit so you're not even thinking about it. It's just like, that's what I do then.
0: Yeah, I love that. This idea of writing down a question, again, I think is is very, it's, I like it because it's simple. Uh, it feels, for those of us that feel like we might want to be productive, it feels like it's productive. Uh, it also makes me think of Cal Newport because I don't know if you've yeah. come across what he writes about, but he talks about these walking meditations and he's very clear in making sure that these are not, um, they're, they're not exercise. It's not a form of exercise. He's no. walking quite slowly. I think he's quite deliberate about having a problem, um, and like a, an actual Komsky problem set or something that he's solving. And he uses, uses the walks to help him make sense of that. And I, I think that's really powerful. And I think he talks about, you know, hour, you know spending hours and hours like that. So he's obviously got... I'm joking because he doesn't really have the luxury of time he's he's very good about his time use, but uh he's definitely cultivated that practice and has has built that in. I don't know how much um the nature piece is important because I think he would do it on any street, which is why I do think there is a bit of a de- deconstruction here between you know the walking element and then the other beautiful parts of nature you know the two kind of almost interact with outdoor intelligence, don't they and even if we can get one or the other, it's not a bad thing.
1: Absolutely, it's like an equation: nature plus walking equals actually deep work. Cal Newport's phrase, but you know, it does really—it's a really powerful combination. And we take one if we can't get the other, right?
0: Have you just come up with that, or is that something that you have shared?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, just—it I just, just came to me in the moment. Look, I had a good walk this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> on my edge. It's fine. It takes me there. It just. Here it is. Whoa! Perfect.
0: Hi. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I think that is a beautiful visual for this podcast episode. That equation because that it sums it up for those of us that like to be able to see how all these things interact and make sense of them. Maybe we can add in intuition there as well, sort of multiplied by intuition or something like that as well. Because I, I do think the intuition piece is important, and and like I said one can get disconnected from one's intuition right in the in the busyness of, of daily life and to think that you know your walk for me i i think the walk gives exercise i think it gives space energy uh opportunity to you know engage with different forms of content but if i could also think it helps me reconnect with the system that i'm part of reconnect with my intuition mull over some some questions to me, that is really powerful, and I start. I can see then, as I was perhaps alluding to at the beginning, I can now see more of a pathway to how to access more outdoor intelligence. So that is that's really helpful. I'm I'm happy to leave it there. Is there anything you wanted to add? Because uh, this has been it's been a fascinating conversation. Is there anything else?
1: I'm a constant improver, so I'm just still working on our equation. So I'm going <laughs> nature plus walking equals intuition plus deep work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. All right well we, we, we will we will continue to improve on this equation. So it's been an absolute pleasure having you fee. and if our listeners want to find out more about outdoor intelligence, where should they go?
1: They can visit my website wildleadership.co.uk or connect with me on LinkedIn. And they can also listen to my podcast, Switched On! Exclamation mark, by Fee McMillan, which is on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.
0: Fantastic. Thank you for listening to The Golden Hour. Thank you for listening to The Golden Hour podcast. If you found it valuable, please forward it to others who you think might benefit from listening. And be sure to subscribe to get the new episodes when they release. And if you're listening on iTunes, please leave a rating or review as it really helps the show to grow. You can find me at Maya Goodka, on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find links to what we cover in the episodes in the show notes. Thanks for listening and see you next time.